Welcome to the Community Podcast, and I'm your host, Madonna. This is our final episode on the season that has covered climate philanthropy. We are joined by Dixon Bahandajira, all the way from Uganda. He is a climate justice activist and environmentalist. He's currently running a one million tree planting campaign, among so many other things that he's doing to address the climate challenge. Tune in to learn more about his journey and the work that he's doing in the Ugandan context. So welcome to the community podcast, Dixon. I've heard about your work uh, through social media and through a colleague who first mentioned it as we organized the gathering of givers about someone that was doing the One Million Tree campaign. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I'm Dixon Bandadura. I'm a philanthropist, a climate justice activist, and environmentalist from Uganda. I'm the data coordinator for Dandelion Hub, African region. Dandelion Hub is a central platform that reports data, information about climate change, democracy, and a livable future for everyone. I'm the mm. founder of Raise Up for the Future and a volunteer for Greenpeace Africa, Predators for Future, and Raise Up Movement. Thank you. Um, thanks for that. Um, I'll call it a heavy introduction. There's a lot that you're up to, but I know that it's definitely impactful. Um, could you take us to the genesis of your journey in the work of addressing the climate challenge? Was this always something that you had at heart? Was there a light bulb moment where you decided to take action? How did you get into this work? If, it, no, if you call it work, <laughs> it could be a passion, <laughs> a life's yeah, yeah, purpose. Yeah. yeah. It's work because we, we wake up every day to transform our communities and to bring change. I will try and quote the great Nelson Mandela who once said, we have a limited time to stay on earth. We must try and use this period for the purpose of transforming our country, our community into what we desire it to be. You know, like we all need a better society, but how many people are taking action uh, I, I, I was passionate, yes, it was passion at first, but then it's my responsibility to transform my community into the kind of society I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I grew up seeing the catastrophes of the climate crisis. And when you're young, you cannot understand this. You, you, they just tell you this happens or godly stuff or what, but you don't know the science behind it. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to campus and I'm a student of environmental science, I got realize these are changes in weather patterns and it's about climate change. You have to research and read about it. And I decided to try and contribute. I decided to try and do something that can inspire the next generation. It's not that I'm a victim of climate change, 
but I'm a person who wants to transform communities. Uh, I, I had to get something that they can contribute to my society since I want a better society. Um, I like that there's hope in the way that you describe it, that you're not a victim, but you're pers- pursuing a transformation of society. Um, what, should I call it a metaphor? What would you use to describe your work so far around climate? Um, maybe a metaphor, a figure of speech, some comparison you can make for someone that has, that is not um, that is not yet actively involved in this work. How would you describe it to them? Oh, not like it's about SDGs, the Standard Development Goals. Everyone deserves a clean water, clean air environment. Whereby my work is um, it's like volunteering or doing something that can bring change. And what they can say is contributing something to the society. Like you have to come out of your comfort zone and do something, not expecting money, not expecting what, but expecting change and a livable future for people. Like it's about inspiring the next generation. It's about doing something that will create change. And yeah. we need everyone to, to join that. No matter the kind of job you're doing, no matter your profession, all we need is a better future for everyone, preparing for the next generation and helping the most affected people in our areas. True, true. Um, we need as many hands on deck for this one. Um, what would you describe as like the top three challenges that you've encountered going about this work i know that it's the kind of work that maybe um you need a lot of optimism because some of the results you may not be here to see but you're here to see the negative impact which can also be daunting but in your experience what are the top three maybe challenges that you've encountered going about this work if it's about work alone, like if you face a challenge about work, there at least you know how to defeat it. But when you talk about the ignorance of some people, it's a big challenge. Like people don't know what is happening. And it's a big challenge to me. Since even if you try to sensitize, people won't understand what you're doing. They'd be like, oh, for you doing something, you don't understand what what. Uh, it's a very big challenge whereby it's hard for us to solve unless there is a lot of climate education. People ignore and they don't know what is happening. Then they can even talk about the leaders. Leaders should be supporting our work, not the campaigning, not seeing us as a threat, you know? Because yeah. most leaders are focusing on the next election. They're not focusing on the next generation. And what we need is to prepare for the next generation. Elections come and go, but generations are the, are the seed we have to, to leave there. They want to take over in the coming years. And it's hard and heartbreaking to see leaders only coming up with temporary solutions, yet they could support our permanent solutions that can solve this crisis. Then the limited funding 
practice what we are doing is volunteering it's a non-profit initiative and everything so you 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 only raise funds from well-wishers from individuals sometimes it's not enough it's a very yeah. big challenge because we have a lot to do but mm-hmm. the funding is not enough like and those are the three biggest challenges but at least we have hope that we can defeat some because if you decide to start you know the start is hard but if you are doing it if you're doing something there is no challenge that can't be defeated that's true i again i appreciate the optimism that you bring uh to this conversation not just this particular one that we're having on this podcast but really along the aspects of climate change work um i know that in the midst of crises and challenges the opportunities and things that are yeah. worth celebrating mm. um from the time that you started uh this work what are those wins that you look back to and you're like yes that was a major milestone it encouraged us it has kept us going and we are hopeful in a sense uh for the future amazing you can talk about the individual wins like because of because of the field i'm doing because of the volunteering i was doing i managed to assure a job with dandelion hub of being the data coordinator and it's paying well for me that's mm-hmm. a win because they look for someone who is in the field it's a big win then me extending my project to different districts last year alone we covered over 57 schools doing the tree planting climate education and our target was 40 schools we managed to exceed that attending international conferences where they can be it's good for me to represent my community my most affected people it's a win for me networking with people meeting new friends uh, it, it it's it's something i'm enjoying to be honest because a lot a lot of wins a lot of things have achieved because of what i'm doing you you kept on referring to the field to community to people because you work with people you represent them in, in several aspects um would you like to maybe delve a little into those that have in a sense held your hand mentored you in the work of addressing this climate challenge and yeah any volunteers that you've maybe at some point worked with have how have they contributed to oh, your work with that i have a, i have a very big diamonds team yeah they are doing great for me for sure they are volunteers they have different work they are doing but every day they come out with different ideas every day they come out when i need them when we are going to schools since it's a local community based organization raise up for the future i have my coordinators on ground tos media uganda nicolas and they are other international volunteers other international people who have tried to mentor me uh wilma she is based in sweden is a very good person for me he sponsored my studies to know more about educa- about climate change and is the man behind the dandelion hub 
then I can talk about Johan Ponten. She's the she's the organizer of the Go Get Funding, where I be able to raise funds so that I can be able to extend this project in different districts. There are very many people because I'm a people person. I work with different organizations. We partner mm-hmm. with them to extend the project because we cannot do this alone. I work with some activists in Rise Up Movement, volunteers in Greenpeace Africa. I salute everyone who has managed and understand what we are doing and started to contribute and support. And we still need more people to work with. Because this is a community thing. It's everyone's responsibility to, to join and contribute something. We are open to working with everyone. Um, yeah, that's um, pretty impressive, the team that you have. And, and I know that's just mentioning a few of them. Yeah. Um, taking a few steps back, I know we, we sort of hinted on it in the introduction about the about you planting the one million trees. Could you take us maybe back to the genesis of that idea? How did that start? How is it going? Okay. Um, I, I feel good because if people knew the journey, how this great initiative started, you know, like I could, I was first an online activist whereby I could champion for different projects, different calls. But then at some point I was like, we need actions. You need to do something on ground that will inspire the next generation. And this is my second great project, like big project. My first project was to extend safe water to the community. We constructed a lot of boreholes. We gave out thanks to the people. Then the solvating machines for safe water. Then that project was a success and I decided to come up with something that will extend my work more. Like I really wanted to be in schools and cut out climate education because the one million tree planting campaign is not just about planting trees. A lot is being done. This is the bigger picture, like planting trees, but we do climate education. Mm -hmm. We support students, great students who want to study, then we, we, we create opportunities for other people and transform the community in different ways. We, or we try to organize the community, we try to empower women. It's, it's a big project that started in 2019. We launched it in 2019 after sitting up with a great team of members. Uh, this was something we decided to do and it was hard at the start remember you have to buy trees it's expensive you have to cater for transport uh per diem for people you're working with the volunteers need something at the end of the day and yeah we started small we launched it in one of the schools in fort potro saint peter primary school and mm-hmm. the first day yeah it went on well because it, I remember it was a global strike day yeah. Every, in every country was striking for climate crisis and we wanted to change the narrative of just striking and we wanted people to do something on that day. That's the genesis of the One Billion Tree Planting Campaign. We saw, like, one of the easiest ways to combat or mitigate the climate crisis is through tree planting. It was easy yes. for us to come up with that because 
it's not too expensive like overcoming the fossil fuels or this takes time but if we say to plant trees trees can help absorb the greenhouse gases from the atmosphere at least that one scientifically is clear and we are in a good country whereby we need to protect our nature and trees can easily grow and contribute what we really want them to contribute since then we have not never turned back we have worked with over 100 plus schools we have visited over 10 districts the villages they can't mention the people who have been impacted because we give out food trees some people are now even enjoying the fruit trees the fruits and we give out fruit trees govario indigenous trees so that we can protect what belongs to us wow um so um, there's so many questions that come up as you share this Dixon, as inquiring about where you get to plant the trees. Are you invited into these spaces? Do they offer you uh, maybe a section of land? Is there a more designated area that you have set aside uh, to hit this target? Or is is it dependent? Maybe like you mentioned the school, you decide to uh, enter this partnership with the school where you do climate education and then it ends in actualizing the theory of climate education by actually planting the trees. How exactly does that work? No, like what we do at first, it's us who used to invite to, to, to request. Like we used to request schools, the community villages and district official officers that we want to do the tree planting. Can you get us where we can plant? For the school is easy because they already have their land. They already know where they want to plant. That was at first when we were starting the project. But currently, if, I, if I'm not lying, over 200 schools are on the list. Like They send invitations. They want us to extend our projects to those schools. The district officers, wow. the, the mm. districts. Uh, now I'm, I'm working on a, a project I'm going to extend to Mohocha IDP camp. It's in Kasese, these are people who were displaced because of floods, the internal catastrophe that happened in 2019, mm-hmm. the flooding after, I remember breaking, it's busting its banks. So yes. we are working on something, we want to extend the project to the camp, we want to help and solve the problem, the menstrual hygiene, because very many ladies, young ladies out there facing the challenge of the menstrual hygiene it's heartbreaking in this era in this generation of ours where the young people and old people lack pads it's heartbreaking and they have been in the camp for almost four years now and they have never got the compensation and the resettlement they need so we are trying to solve such problems we are trying to get a good land for them so that they can going with agriculture so that they can be able to have their own food. We are partnering with our youth climate network. They have done a great job in the camp. They have done a really great job in the camp. And I would like to recommend you to try and hear their stories. And I'm inviting anyone who is ready to join us. We are are, are going to the camp this coming month. Oh, okay. Um, wait, a, a date set for that in case uh, listener would like to jump in on that. 
uh, yeah, we, we are having the last meeting tomorrow. By tomorrow, okay. everything will be set for us to set that date and everything. We are calling people to join the camp. These are neglected people, like we and the Ugandans, and we really have to stand with them. We really have to solve because these small actions matter. That's very true. Um, where else can we find this information? about uh, the work that, that you're doing? Is there a particular, because you mentioned a couple of organizations, is there a particular yeah. maybe Twitter page, social media that we need to look out for uh, for the dates for this camp? Oh, yeah, yeah. like, like I, I be sharing on my platform. Rather. Yes. I, I be sharing on my platform at Bahandajura D on Twitter, Dixon Bahandajura on Facebook and Dixon Bahandajura on Instagram. Then you oh, can okay. look for the Abayut Climate Network. They always share their projects and they are doing amazing work. Like they inspire the next generation, these boys. They have since 2019, they have been in the camp helping out people. They established a school there. It's something like we should always give credit. We are not the only change makers. They have great people out there doing great work. And we always amplify their voices. We always share their projects, their work, because we want many people to join. I, th I think that's a, it's a great initiative because so many times we are, you sit in a position where you don't have all this information and it's not clear who is doing what or even the magnitude of the work that communities, collectives, individuals are doing to address this challenge. So I think it's that's why it's important to have conversations like this to learn about um, all the work that's actually happening on ground. And it's very inspiring up until this point. Um, not up until this point, but really, yeah, it, it is inspiring. Um, are there, you've traveled uh, several countries. You have also worked here in Uganda in as you work towards addressing this challenge. Are there any special ways or any differences you see between the way Uganda tackles the climate challenge versus other places that you have been in? Ah, uh, you know, like Uganda, we are a low developing country and we are in the global south. If I'm to talk to discuss this, I will discuss it in the concept of the global south and the global north. Because at least I've got the opportunity to be in the global north and the global south. I know sure, what is sure. happening. Like in the global south, we contribute less than four percent of the global emissions, and everyone knows that. But we are facing the most brutal impact as a result of climate change. We are on the time boom. We are already feeling the impact, and our economy cannot like stand on the catastrophes that are happening on the crisis. We have a, a weak economy, like in the global south. And the biggest challenge is we don't think climate change is the biggest problem in Africa or the global south, because we really have other problems like unemployment, the poor education system, insecurity, so we think climate change is not the biggest problem, but our economy cannot stand it. We don't have the capacity to defeat this crisis. And unlike the global north, we, we, there are big economies, 
they can come up with solutions. And that's why we, we always champion for the, uh, the, the, the loss and damage finance, whereby we need it in form of a grant, not in form of a loan. So Uganda alone cannot defeat this crisis because we have other challenges. We have other problems, bigger problems than the climate change itself. At this point, but we are feeling the impact and it will be hard for us if we don't defeat it now because we still have time. You know, we are the first generation to feel the impact of climate change and the last who can do something about it. If it's not mm-hmm. us, then nothing will reverse this, nothing. We, are, we, we cannot defeat the two point something temperatures if we don't keep the 1.5 degrees alive. Wow. Um, as we come to the end of this conversation, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? You've shared a lot, but any parting shots, any call to action that you have in mind for our listeners? Yeah, I, I would like to communicate to everyone who will be able to listen to this podcast that we are not enough and the small actions will always matter. No matter the profession you do, no matter what you do, you need to think about the next generation. We are giving birth, we are we, we are we have kids, others we already like other people already have kids, other people are married and we are planning of giving birth, but which kind of environment are our kids going to live in? What are we doing in order for our people, our kids, our next generation can be in a better and safe place? Like actions, it's about action, no matter the type of action you're doing, but as long as you can act, we should not wait for other people to act. It's us to act. It's us to inspire other people. It's us to share and contribute join in when you have some time contribute plant a tree help out people in different areas because we have seen like different districts with different problems about the climate crisis that would do the side the cassette side and we really need other in Kampala. ah yeah in Kampala you know when it rains and yeah the slums <laughs> yeah. and it's upon us to come out. The information is there. We can, if you want to know about climate change, the information is there. Our DMs are always open to discussions. And yeah, and no one can ever request to join the project and we refuse. We welcome everyone. We are open to working with everyone. You know, some people say activists only want to work with whites, but that's not the case. It's about who is willing to meet our expectations, who is willing to meet our demands. And our demands are simple, caring about the next generation, like working for the betterment of the society, not focusing on making money. Many people come into our projects just make money to swindle money from the government. But for us, it's about you helping the community. We have different places we come from and we really have to create change. That's what I can tell. And for the youth, this is the right thing for us because we are the leaders of the future and the future is today. If we don't come together, no way 
we can defeat this crisis. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dixon. Um, I'm glad that as we end season 10, we have brought the conversation back to Uganda. And thank you for joining us for this conversation today. My pleasure. Because I always want to share my story, always want to share what we are doing so that we can inspire other people to join. Like we need a billion of activists to defeat this crisis. That's true. They say the harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. Yeah. So I guess that's our parting shot. It's a call to action for as many volunteers, as many givers to join this movement of climate philanthropy and to address this challenge that is upon us. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you so much for giving this great opportunity to everyone. It's amazing when you hear the stories, you get inspired and few people can come up with this. Few people can get their time and life to share stories of change makers so that they can inspire mm-hmm. other people. That's, this that's is a platform that can help us. This is like working also, trying yeah. to inspire other people, trying to educate other people. Mm. People need to know that we are in a climate crisis and we need a climate emergency. If we manage to solve that, if we got the COVID-19 vaccine in just two years, if uh, Egypt managed to construct pyramids, how about us solving the climate crisis now? It's possible. It's definitely possible. It's possible, Uh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Dixon. I know it's been uh, quite a roller coaster getting us into this space to have this conversation. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, this closes off um, season 10. It's been, I think, 12 episodes. This, this would be the 12th episode. And as the host, I have had, yeah, information overload a lot to learn <laughs> definitely useful information a lot to learn uh, the approaches differ but the goal is clear throughout and yeah i'm just glad that so many communities are, are doing one thing two things a lot of things all towards contributing towards addressing this uh, particular challenge that we're facing so thanks for sharing your time And I especially appreciate that you identify as a philanthropist. Not many people do that, but that's also the purpose of this podcast (laughs) to get people to work in that identity because it enables them to look at themselves as solution providers and not as, you know, victims and just mere beneficiaries. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thank you.